0: Welcome in to 2 for One Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for One Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm here with Mike Renner. We're going to do our mailbag episode today. I have a ton of questions. We're going to answer them all for you on this week's um, mailbag episode. But before we do, we're going to hit on two b- important storylines right now. The latest on the Deshaun Watson saga, showing up to the Houston Rockets game, that really James Harden's last game in Houston with Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson telling him to hold his ground, whatever it may be. And then we're also going to touch on Uh, The article that came out in the Miami Herald about Tuatunga Wailoa and anonymous Dolphins players questioning his leadership, questioning his ability, showing support for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a disaster in South Beach right now. What are they going to do at quarterback position? And then, of course, the mailbag will go. All right, let's get it. PFF and Action Pro are teaming up. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription access and... One year, 365 days of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering, tailor-made to make avid and new betters better. This is a limited-time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer only applies to first-time elite annual subscribers. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated Endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Renner, back in studio here for the two for one drafts podcast. And I know I opened the podcast last time with an epic dating story, and the reviews are in. People are, are flocking to me saying, Man, that is just you're on an absurd run. Someone said you're on an absurd run or an impressive run. And I said, That's a word for it. I would call it more depressing, but it is an impressive run. But I want to open with this I don't know what story to tell this week, but I have two to, to pitch. And you can reach out to me and DM me, tw- tweet at me, whatever it may be, which one you want me to tell on Monday's episode. One, my dad flipping a Ford Focus and running from the cops Two, my mom landing in Mantica's Most Wanted for Grand Theft Auto. I have those two stories. Those two are good ones. Very, very good stories. To let you know to, to precede those, my parents are insane. My family background is insane. My dad's a nut job. My mom's a nut job. But those two stories dad are hates pretty. Me too. And your dad my dad also hates Mike Renner. So one of those two stories. The mom, Grand Theft Auto, the dad flipping the Ford Focus and running from the cops. I will tow one of those on the Monday pod. I just need votes in. Get the votes in, DM me, IG me, whatever it may be. Where's your vote,
1: Mike? Your votes card. sir. <sighs> I want to hear the Ford Focus one. It's good. That one sounds great. But I was thinking of like stories myself. I really I don't think I could tell any of the ones the good. You have so some fun. good ones, but they're just too they can't you, you, tell you them probably can't podcast. tell them on the podcast. The one I could tell is about how I got the black eye that I had ended up missing. Dude, please tell that Should story. Should I tell that story? Tell that story. So I started dating a girl who lived in Reno, Nevada, a few years ago, and she moved then across the country to Cincinnati here lived live with me. Things didn't go well. We broke up. Surprising. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) Um, And then, so she actually ended up moving then back and came to visit, and she punched me in the face when she came back to visit. (laughs) There's more that details how, to that. Story. There's a little more details, but that's that's pretty much all you guys need to know is how that ended up happening. You talk about having people that are crazy. That chick was crazy. Yeah,
0: that chick was a wild one. But the the details of that story, was good? We might have to like set up. I know other podcasts do like meetups or whatever. We're like, hey, we're going to be at this game or whatever. When COVID's yeah. over, it'd be great to be like, hey, we're going to be in South Bend. Hey, we're going to be wherever. We're the hula ball. That would be sick. Quinn, come out too. Quinn, make a play. Bring some cores edges out there. Get the people going. Non alcoholic. Everyone on the freaking everyone at the tailgate's like, "Let's go! We're gonna make people sober if we go." I kind of like it. Mm. You're go- you're not doing dry February though, right? No,
1: that's that's too much.
0: If you're not, I might die. I mean, Bowl, if the
1: Packers make it to the NFC Championship game, I might cut it January thank God. short. Thank God. Yeah,
0: your parents wouldn't even be impressed with you at that point. <laughs> cut off the dry January. All right, let's start with Deshaun Watson. Interesting stuff going on. I mean, he was just on vacation. Comes back. Goes to watch James Harden play basketball for the last time with the Houston Rockets, and with Andre Johnson. And Andre Johnson has been what was not on Twitter for like over a month. Came back to Twitter, and all of his recent tweets have been flaming the Houston Texans organization. You know, t- telling Deshaun Watson to hold his ground to not like you know to not just fall to what the Houston Texans want. Like a lot of this is looking like Deshaun Watson at the very least is strongly considering strong-arming the Texans into getting out of that situation potentially via trade or whatever has to happen to not play for the Houston Texans. That's how bad it looks right now. I don't know what the results will be of this, but it doesn't look good right now.
1: Yeah, Andre Johnson had not had a tweet that wasn't a sponsored tweet, an ad tweet, since 2019. No way! Over a year, (laughs) yes. Had not had a tweet that wasn't an ad for over a year. Comes out just guns blazing, telling Deshaun Watson to do what's best for him, you know, screw the Texans. As someone who had his entire career, I don't want to say ruined, like he put up big numbers there, but like they did nothing with Andre Johnson. He knows that like a bad organization is depressing probably to play for year after year and told him to do what's best for him. And I think the Texans are screwed here. If Deshaun Watson really wants to, like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, if they trade him, they're the team that screwed up so bad they traded Sean Watson. If they call his bluff and say, you know, like you got to come play for us. Everyone's like, what are you doing here? Why can't you like give it like you're your strong arm and you're like holding hostage your best player. Like they I think they're really kind of screwed here uh in the court of public perception with their fans.
0: Yeah, and in a tough spot. I don't know how it ends up. I think the favorite scenario i've heard or like the most re- realistic scenario i've heard is with the dolphins and talking about trading to a Tunga and multiple first round picks including the number three and 18 overall pick that is what i've seen like could potentially happen makes the most sense in terms of who has the capital Get to do pick it back. but i cannot believe yeah getting their pick back for laramie Tunsil. but i i can't imagine that the houston did anything but Making Deshaun Watson happy is at the top of the list for Jack Easterby and the Houston Tech Nick Casario and the Houston Texans organization. They like, can't let him go. Eric Eager has said this before. He said, if you have a player that's very, very good, that doesn't want to play for your franchise, a lot of the times you'll say, well, you got to trade him, find what you can get for him. No. What you need to do is create a culture and an organization that your best players don't want to leave. That should be the number one priority. It shouldn't be like, oh, you don't want to play here? We're out. See ya. Peace. Like what yeah. the Raiders did with Mack and Cooper. Well, Cooper, more so than Mack, didn't want to Schmall play in Adams. Oakland. And yeah. then you're like, we have to find a way to trade. It's like, no, the problem's you. I-, I relate it back to my dad in this situation. My dad has had three or four divorces, and every time it's their fault. No, at a certain point... You're the guy who should probably fixing some things so the people that you're dating don't want to leave you. And then this situation, Deshaun Watson is a potential divorce for the Houston Texans where they need to be more reflective and not say, like, oh, if he doesn't want to play here, he's out.
1: Yes. You can't. You literally cannot trade Deshaun Watson. You can't. You just can't. You cannot if you're the Houston Texans. You are the, the whole, like you said, no player is bigger than the team. Deshaun Watson's bigger than the team right now. That is your team. That is a you – know, that is, you know – a decade plus of what should be prosperity if you can do any halfway competent job as a GM. <laughs> so Don't get to
0: take shots at Phil O'Brien like basically that. Basically, figure it out is what I'm saying here. Fair. Figure, it, figure it, out. it out, I think, is the best methodology moving forward. Let's jump to this Tua um situation. I kind of want to read some of the quotes here, but if yes, before, please I, some before I dive into oh, the sir. quotes, if you want to preface it while
1: I look for them, go ahead. So basically... I don't want to say a hit piece but but there are anonymous players within the Dolphins organization saying that Tua was basically shit like didn't mm-hmm. look good at any point in practice was everyone was floored when he was named the starter was no one was happy the fact that he was named the starter and that they don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback yeah. is the whole I have gist that. of it but and- but some of it like came off almost too over the top to where it's it has to be like Preston Williams or Devontae Parker, someone who was a wide receiver who had better stats with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It came off almost like a jilted lover because some of them were just like so dead wrong that, I don't know, it's hard to like just read them. Yep. So this is from Amando Saguero
0: of the Miami Herald. Support local journalism. Support the Miami Herald. Go check out the article. Subscribe if they do have this subscription model. But I'll read some of the quotes off here. They said they were unimpressed by Tua Tagovailoa during training camp to point to the point that they w- thought he wouldn't be ready to play in 2020. They said they were caught totally off guard, as one put it, when Tua Tungabailoa was named the starter in the seventh game of the season. Uh, and, and another said that the season finale, when players were informed that by Flores that Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't play against the Bills, they were disappointed because they believed Fitzpatrick gave them a better chance than Tua. Another thing they said is that the players – also say they don't see a special trait in Tua Tungabailoa's skill set beyond his accuracy, which is obviously the most important. But one defensive player said he isn't impressed with his ball velocity or arm strength or ability to make off-schedule plays with his legs. So he ultimately questions if Tua can be the starter of the future. Can he compete with Josh Allen, Patrick from Holmes, Deshaun Watson, etc.? So like, what did we say when this first happened? When this first happened on the seventh game when he was started, what is that, what is that doing for Brian Flores putting Tua Tungabailoa in? I think it's going to create a split in the locker room because you're going to have players that want Ryan Fitzpatrick to play and you're going to have players that want Tua Tungabailoa to play. And it sounds like a lot of the defensive players at least are signing on the fact that, hey, because the defense was rocking. The defense was a top five defense this season. The defense was blowing it up. They They were a playoff caliber defense, but offensively they weren't scoring points. So obviously there are some concerns there. So now you have this split in the locker room with some saying, Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us a better chance to win all the way to the point where like, I don't think Tua should be the starter next year. This is the concern. And I don't think – here's his hot take. Maybe this is a hot take. I don't think it's Brian Flores' fault. The decision to start Tua Tungavailoa was not his. I don't think. Personally. Say what you want. I don't it's know ho- if it, it was
1: hard it. to imagine it was. It's hard to imagine it was because Brian
0: Flores is also the same quarterback that was benching his ass in multiple games to try and get Fitzpatrick in to win some games late. To start him after the bye, that was a front office, higher management decision. And he had his hands tied, having mm-hmm. to tell players, defensive players, that are showing frustration privately. that like, hey, this is what we have to do. We have to build around Tua to Tagovailoa. That's a frustrating situation for Brian Flores. A guy that I think if he didn't get absolutely blown out by the backup bills in Week 17 would be the candidate for Coach of the Year this year. Now yeah. Kevin Stefanski is kind of running away with it. But concerning stuff in Miami, I still think there's reason to believe you can build a winning offense around Tua to Tagovailoa it's going to be more difficult than maybe some of these guys that can make all the throws, but he's accurate. You, add, you need to add more weapons, and you need to build up that offensive line. But I do understand why there are some concerns and why there is a split in this locker room.
1: Yeah, he doesn't uh, – I do love that quote where it's, like, beyond his accuracy. Yeah, It's, like, you realize that's been, you know, you know look at half the quarterbacks who are in the NFL playoffs, like, what is – Drew Brees, Phil Rivers, Tom Brady, what do they have that special beyond their accuracy? Like, they don't have special arm. They don't make off-platform throws. Like, you can win yeah. from the pocket if you are good enough. It is a... That is, like, for the vast majority of NFL history, that's what everyone considered, like, the most valuable thing yeah. was that. So, um, yeah, it, to me, it's a little overblown, but I do think the biggest takeaway here was that there was not... Like, like coaching staff and management not on the same page and that's why this is why you cannot have that in an organization and like that it has to be unified decision making because if Brian Flores was not on board with it that trickles down to the roster yeah. the roster can tell that oh absolutely everyone knows that you you cannot you fake have to be that. lockstep you have and to so be and so when you're not and just calling down from the top with the owner gm whoever made the call this is why it's bad. This is why you don't do it.
0: And more credit to Brian Flores, honestly, for how he handled that situation. And yeah. I know the Week 17 disaster was rough, but like he handled that situation better like, than a hey, lot of
1: other coaches would. Defense, they didn't do it. part Week 17 either, No, that's so true.
0: Very true. All right, let's jump to the mailbag uh, questions here. We're going to preface this with we weren't able to get all of them. We weren't able to get all of them on YouTube and on Twitter, DMs, IG, and all that stuff. So I'm going to go ahead. Before we do that, I'm going to read the names of the questions that we pushed to next week's. We're going to answer these first. One is from Slightly on the podcast recording or the podcast um, reviews. These are from YouTube for Max Odlong, Bruno Perkovich, Chaplito Plays, and Easy Breezy. Those will be the first questions we ask. Answer yes. on next week. Sorry. Let's go ahead and start with this one here. Starting with Alex and Lily. If one of the top four quarterbacks are there, do they go that route or should they pick up a D end or linebacker? He's talking this about the, the Raiders. Raiders. Do they pick up a defensive end or linebacker? I know those are bigger needs than QB, but I'm just not sold on
1: Derek Carr. We're not sold on Derek Carr. I'm not sold on Derek Carr. You shouldn't you, be. You, you, you may feel differently. But my thought on this is this has to be, you have to do this before the draft if you're not sold on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not sold on Derek Carr, Someone, someone wants Derek Carr. Someone would give you a first-rounder, maybe like more than just one first-rounder for Derek Carr at this point. I'm sure the Chicago Bears would love to have Derek Carr. I think
0: right that's now. still a very good fit.
1: So that if you're not sold on Derek Carr as an organization, you're the Las Vegas Raiders, that has to happen pre-draft. You have to make that call. Before that, all of a sudden this guy slips, You know who, who may, whoever it may be, Trey Lance, slips down uh, to you at pick 17. That, that's one of the situations where I, I think it's too late at that point to make that call. Um, so I would go DeAndre, linebacker. I don't think one of those top four guys is going to be there, but I would rather trade to someone who would want that guy, whether it's you know Steelers, someone late, later on in the first round, than draft him at that point. Yeah, I think if the
0: Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden specifically, is not sold on winning with Derek Carr in the near future, the next two years, then you need to make a move earlier in the process. Trade him for other draft picks to go up in the draft and maybe grab a guy like Fields, Wilson, or Lance. I will say this about Derek Carr. You know, you said, I'm not sold on Derek Carr. I wouldn't say I'm sold on Derek Carr either, but I think I know what he is. Derek Carr is a consistent, accurate quarterback coming off the, the best single season of his career, even better than his 2016 campaign. Can you win with him? Yes, with an ideal supporting cast, both offensively and defensively. He's a guy that when all things are perfect... He can live up to those expectations and it, with, with really good receiving core, a top-notch offensive line, and a defense that's in the top half of the league, top 10 in the league. That's a playoff team. That's a deep playoff team. But by the time the Raiders have all those things, Derek Carr is going to be like 40. Like the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders on defense are like 10, 11 pieces away from it being good. Offensively, they did swing the bat on Henry Ruggs. He has not panned out to start. Nelson Aguilar is a free agent. Hunter Renfro is a great slot piece, but not a guy that you're banging the table for for making this offense great. Like, you still don't have the pieces necessary to win with a quarterback like Derek Carr that can't make the off-platform throws and do these crazy things like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, these things that, like, elevate your supporting cast. Mm -hmm. Derek Carr plays to the level of his supporting cast, which in a lot of systems, you can go to a deep postseason run with if you have a good supporting cast. That's why I think the Bears makes the most sense. Like, the Bears don't have an elite supporting cast, but, but you resign, you resign. Allen Robinson, you have Darnell Mooney there. Anthony Miller, maybe you resign him defensively. Khalil Mack, Jalen Johnson, Amo, like you have a lot of talent there. And Matt Nagy, I think with a comp- a competent quarterback with accuracy at the same pace as Carr, could probably go on a deep postseason run with. They it, won a ton of games with Trubisky and freaking Nick Foles
1: this year. It really has blown my mind. John Gruden was like known for hating all his quarterbacks, you know, in his first stop in Oakland and then in Tampa Bay and has gone was it three years now with Carr without like any hint of i guess they did sign Mariota last year as maybe an insurance plan but no real hint of grew never being upset with them so it's just interesting to me all right
0: next question brian 0825 mike renner is the best in the business
1: i I threw that one in there just for the i mean like he said that but it's obviously not part of the question
0: it is part of the question mike renner is the best in the business get anthony Tresh on the pod more we should do some more three-man pods yeah Question three way. Which edge rusher? I'm always down. Which edge rusher is a good scheme
1: fit for the Titans? Okay. So obviously J. Evan Clowney, free agent. You have Harold Landry on one side. He is a edge bender type. He is going to win at the top of the pocket. When you have a guy like that, kind of like similar to I guess that's like kind of selling TJ Watt shorts, call him an edge bender, but like TJ Watt works well when he has Bud Dupree on the other side pushing a quarterback backwards. You're going to get a lot more sacks when you have that. So you want a pocket pusher across from a guy who's going to speed rush. You don't want two speed rushers. Then you give a lot of lanes for quarterbacks to run through. And obviously, that doesn't work as well in the run game either. So I think one of the bigger true edge setter types in this class, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Joe Tryon from Washington, and then a little later on, Peyton Turner from Houston. I think those guys would be good fits if you are the Titans.
0: Little teaser for our Senior Bowl preview, which we'll be doing next week ahead of the Senior Bowl. Carlos Basham Jr. is the highest ranked player going to the Senior Bowl on PFF's board. I watched a ton of his tape yesterday. He is huge, like he is a big he dude. Got, he is he, built like I think he got too too big. This year. he might have gotten too big, but he is built like defensive ends of old. Like he's like yeah. six foot five, two eighty five. Like you look at, I was looking at like like uh, body comps and stuff. Like, he looks like six foot, he's listed at six for foot five, fun. 285, for but he might work. be 290, 290. Like, the guy is big as hell. Looks a lot bigger than some of these other guys coming out. So, Carlos Basham Jr., I agree. He's not bendy. He's not, he's not bending the edge and pushing the top of the pocket, but he can not bully, bully some dudes. And I think he works his hands well. Yeah. Like he went against some bad offensive tackles this year and, like, beat them to a pulp. But he also get, he gets kicked inside a decent amount at wake or even just, like, two hands in the ground, head up on the tackle and still is winning really, really well in those areas. So Carlos Basham Jr. I think will be fun to watch um, at the Senior Bowl. Hashtag fun to watch. But I think he has some opportunity to, to make some money there. Because if he can show he can win on those one-on-ones, yeah, no. both on the interior and on the edge, that's going to be big for him. Because right now I see him as more of a day-two guy. Like, I don't think he's going to sneak in around one with his traits. He's got great oh, size, I but disagree. You, don't, you think he's going to be a round one player? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll see how he goes at the Senior Bowl. Mm. All right. Gingy, 24. Great pod, great content. How do you guys think Terrace Marshall stacks up as a prospect, and where can we expect to
1: see him draft it? I wish we could have seen a little more of him this year. Obviously, he took over Justin Jefferson's role in the slot. Um, I'm still a fan, though. 54th on the board. I think he's a firm second-round type of wide receiver. He's got good speed, but he's just, like, skinny still and, and doesn't really have uh, he doesn't really have the quicks to make up for it when you're that skinny. Six-foot-three, 200 pounds but he was like pretty good after the catch. I'm, I'm kind of just hesitant. I, I feel like he's a guy who, if he really, I don't want to say came back to school, he's not coming back to school, but like if, if he really came back and put it on in a role where like he's, he adds some weight, plays like a more, a role where he's facing more man coverage, like he could have gone in the first round easily. But I think he's a day two guy who has a very good chance to outperform, one of those guys that has a very good chance to outperform kind of where he ends up going.
0: His recruiting background is also insane. He's, He's star, like one of the yeah. like most coveted guys coming out, like mm-hmm. one of the big-name receivers, five-star recruit and all that stuff. So l- compare him to Justin Jefferson. Because, I mean, replacing Justin Jefferson's role, a lot of people want to say it's another really productive slot guy for LSU.
1: He what are the way key more- differences between Jefferson was way more flexible and played stronger, I'd say. Like you could see Justin Jefferson like, was ex- more explosive out of his cuts, and out of his routes, and was also like had a ton of contested catches. Like you knew Justin Jefferson was going to make contested catches – In the NFL, like that, you were not worried about Marshall, not as much. Love the pod, my dudes. This is
0: from, I don't have the name in here. Oh, man, brutal. But I've always wondered if you guys compensate for strength of competition in your player grades. If a wide receiver is going against a good defense corner versus a bad one in both the NFL and the collegiate level. If not, then do you have an algorithm in your prospect research that basically calculates that an 85 graded receiver from Bama might be better prospecting on paper than an 85-graded receiver from Fresno State? For example, just based on level of competition.
1: Yes. So our grades do not account for level of competition. The zero to 100 grades don't. The, do, yeah, That those grades will not. The draft projections that you will see from Eric Eager and the analytics team, in terms of like uh, who they comp to in the NFL level, they're sort of high low things that I don't know if you've seen any of those graphs that they tweet out. Those will account for that. So.
0: They, they work in opponent-adjusted Massey ratings and play-by-play grading to yes. look at college-to-pro projections. One of the biggest things that Dr. Eric Eager is working on here at PFF is college-to-pro projections, factoring in athleticism score, like PFF athleticism score, which factors in a bunch of the testing and height, weight, and all that stuff, in addition to the production at the collegiate level with weighting, obviously, towards those traits because of how valuable that is in the NFL and how, how obvious that translates at the next level. That right. was
1: Sugar Shane 93.
0: Sugar Shane 93, my bad. All right, P. Blaine's 21, or P. Baines. P. Baines 21, great content. I was told this was the best place to get my questions answered, and it is. It is. What is the best option for the Washington football team to address the quarterback position this offseason, trading up in the draft or a trade slash in the offseason
1: slash or free agency? My opinion for the Washington football team I am trading a lot of whatever it needs to take to go get one of these top quarterbacks because if I hit on a guy like that, if I go up and I hit on a Justin Fields, like if I get that high in the draft and I hit on Justin Fields, I hit on Trey Lance, I don't know, say one of the top four guys that they get, you also have a lot of talent on their rookie contracts in terms of Chase Young, Montez Sweat a lot of guys Terry McLaurin that are going to be paid a lot of money soon to where if you have a quarterback in a lot of valuable positions, all not getting paid a lot, you can sign a lot of free agents yeah. to that roster and make it look real good real quickly. And that's a Super Bowl window that a lot of teams like that would be an easy money Super Bowl window at that point. If you trade for Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, yeah like you, you have a super bowl window still because i get, like i said you have a bunch of young talent on that roster but it's not as nearly as much of a slam dunk in my eyes so dude I take would an nba
0: approach game. as the washington football team be trade your one. 2022 first rounder and your 2024 first rounder so that way you still have your 2023 <laughs> but you know how the nba does that they like trade yeah. every other year so they can like find ways to build up different things but like shoot the moon like bold moves are the only way you're going to like actually like the the washington football team is not like a couple pieces away every single draft from like really hitting like eventually you have to get the quarterback unless this year you want to like start terry heineke and see if you can tank all the way down but at that point you're you're in a really bad place the following season and like you're it's another year added to terry mclaurin it's another year added to chase young like this window is now Mm -hmm. go go make the best of it go trade up and try and get Zach Wilson or Trey Lance trade multiple first round picks to do it because what else are you going to do this isn't an inch by inch row by row situation when it becomes inch by inch and piece by piece is when you have the quarterback you're not you're not mortgaging the future necessarily when you have the quarterback you can you can add pieces be more be less shoot the moon like in your decision making like similar to what the Patriots have done with Tom Brady for a long time the Packers like they're you're not like ever like going all in on another player because you don't have to outside of the quarterback position you should be willing to give up three plus first round picks for your future quarterback you should be willing to. you you shouldn't be like oh we're lucky enough to get him uh, at 15 like they did with Dwayne Haskins and those things like you should be willing to mortgage the future to make sure you get your guy and I think the Washington football team would be smart to do it yes
1: and like I said there are obviously try to keep Taylor Heineke like he looked good in his game and a half um maybe sign a veteran maybe keep around Kyle Allen I don't know but I would not like I would not be like Cam Newton's not winning a Super Bowl right now you know Jameis Winston's not winning a Super Bowl right now if you're just going that route you got to make a play with that roster I
0: agree I agree this is from 84672 great content love the pod and everything PFF hashtag science I don't know what that means. Question for this podcast. Which prospects in this year's
1: draft have a dream fit on a team or a specific scheme? I've talked a lot about Cal Pitts to Baltimore, that offense, and just the fact that yes, they run a lot, but they don't use their tight ends as like inline blockers. And so that's perfect for them. Like mm-hmm. they get them out in the move and that's special that's like what Pitts does. So Kyle Pitts, Baltimore, one of them. I think Justin Fields, the 49ers, would be just perfect. Like an accurate quarterback, incredibly accurate quarterback in that 49ers game. Because you're going to scheme open wide receivers. Like Kyle Shanahan will get guys open. You just gotta be able to hit them. Jimmy G was not hitting them at a high level. Justin Fields will hit guys who are open and can add that running element that he hasn't had since RG three. Like he schemed up RG three a more a top, what was it five offense in the NFL that year with him? Pretty absurd what he did. I think you add that to his offense. Take it to the next level. And then also throw in defense side of the ball. Tyler Shelvin going into New England. They still use that true nose. You just, that would be too much. Too perfect. I, I also like one that we're going to consistently see mocked is Gregor Russo
0: to Minnesota. I feel like that long athletic project going yes. to, not necessarily from a scheme perspective, but like that's the no, fit. I that mean, Minnesota that's what, yeah, that's what they
1: do defensively. They don't blitz a lot, Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer. And so they're keeping their edges, letting them go off.
0: From ODYMC19. Texans draft strategy. What would your Texans draft strategy for the 2021 draft be due to reduced draft capital slash limited cap space? Best players available, high ceiling, low floor prospects. What's your approach?
1: Yes, they don't have a pick till the third round. So you're not going to do much. I would throw, I said it kind of on the last pod, throw money at some safeties, throw money at some secondary guys. And I would focus on smaller school guys. I think we would talk about a little bit someone had a question about opting out like i think those guys will get underrated i think guys that were from fcs programs guys who were not uh didn't really have a season or from group of five programs who were who other teams will see and say we didn't see them against good competition going to be hesitant on they're going to fall down draft boards because of that teams are going to go with it what they know what they've seen the most of and so i think for the texans that will just mean that some of those guys who were at smaller schools will get We'll fly under the radar. Possibly, like take out and who didn't even play this year. UCF will probably be there for you in the third round. Take some shots. Got to you find your out. small edges, man. On day two, day
0: three, got to find some small edges. I think tacking certain positions like big interior run defenders, safeties like we've talked about. I think linebackers is another good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And attacking those guys like small school guys that, you know, may, or, or guys that have opted out. I like that. Yeah. I like that. All right. This is also from Shooka Shane. Love the pod, guys. I don't have a question. Just a favor. Can you please tell my friend code name JD that's a great friend name. I might start calling you codename MR, that he's yeah. a fool for thinking Sewell should be the pick for the Jets at two. Ridiculous. Hey, codename JD, you're a fool for thinking Panay Sewell to the Jets at two. Makes sense. And the number one argument I've seen for this is they could have the top tackle tandem for the next 15 years.
1: Oh, I messed up the the, the other guy was BBNBBXD. That's why, that's why we did the name. You suck. There.
0: Either way, Sugar Shane, what's up with you? This is this is ridiculous. I do agree it's ridiculous. The yeah. New York Jets are not a peninsula away from winning eight games. <laughs> yeah, they're not. You need to address the quarterback position. You need to address that. And like, if you think Sam Darnold can be the guy, and you've said this before too, keep him, keep him, and have him compete with this guy you bring in.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, some people. Someone was talking to me recently, and they're saying, like, we, you can't always just go the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen approach. You know, it's like you, you immediately draft a new quarterback, whatever, whatever. This is not an immediate situation. Sam Darnold's been there for three yeah. years. And in addition to that, you could always go the Browns-Baker-Mayfield approach. They, they, the GM brought in Baker-Mayfield, the number one overall pick. He told Hugh Jackson, start the best player. Mm. Hugh Jackson starts Tyrod, or Tyrod. Tarod, Tarod not sucks. The best,
1: not the best player. Not the best player. Yeah. And
0: guess who's out of there? Hugh Jackson. Yeah. You do the yeah. same thing for your coach. You bring in a new coach into New York. Say it's Robert Salah. I think that's the favorite right now. You say, hey, it's I'm drafting card. a quarterback at two. You fucking play the best one, and if it's Sam Darnold, you better win some damn games. And if it's not, you're on the you leash is short. Like th- this is the problem. Like I, that's how it works in baseball. That's how it works in other sports. The GM gives you what he thinks are the best players. The coach needs to put the best team on the football field and coach them to win. That I think is what the Jets need to do. And the best player at two is not Sewell. It's going to be one of those quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and you don't worry about like we just led the show off with the Tua situation. The reason that was shit show or is a shit show in the locker room is because. They were not starting the best player. Yeah, they were starting the guy that everyone on the team did not think was the best player at the time. They gave him the best chance to win. You don't. I don't think you have an issue with that if you are legitimately have a guy who is the third overall pick and a guy who is the second overall pick. They're a quarterback competing in Sam Darnold, whoever they Zach Wilson say at quarterback, and one of them looks better than the other. You start the one that looks better, and the locker room doesn't really give a shit at that point.
0: All right, love the podcast, fellas. Easy is the best one. Hype for the three episodes a week. This is from Mike Mids. I know Darion Kendrick hasn't played cornerback for all that long, but why does the draft community overrate him so much? We've seen him this year's we've seen him in this year's college football game, college football playoff game struggle against Ohio State, and the same could be said for last year against LSU. Why does he get so much more love than than a corner like Eric Stokes Jr., who has arguably played better against better competition? One, Darion Kendrick has decided to come back to school. But I do think yes. there's an opportunity to talk about him as a prospect and why why the draft community and scouts will value him as highly or even maybe even higher next year, it's the traits. I the mean, traits. the guy is a former, what, four or five-star wide receiver recruit that has been playing corner for only like two or three years. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, he looks bad. But like what Very he can be in the athlete. NFL, the potential yeah. is what's massive. And to talk about Eric Stokes Jr. for a little bit, Eric Stokes Jr. has had better production, has a very good athletic background as well, but I don't think he's in the same tier as Darion
1: Kendrick from like an athleticism standpoint. You've talked to Darion Kendrick. Nearly as smooth. Yeah. And then obviously, and then the scheme also plays we've talked about the George Corners being just like so overly grabby that they just hang on to Eric Stokes
0: Jr. hangs on you.
1: Yeah. Stokes Jr. also a year older, redshirt junior at this point, like than a redshirt sophomore and Kendrick. And so like the younger guy doing it at a younger age, obviously more impressive. And I'll also like throw in, and I think I said this when we talked about Deere and Kendrick earlier this year. Every time a guy's a former wide receiver, it gets evaluators a little like hot, in the, hot and bothered. Like, yeah. you're just like, oof, he's got the ball skills. So, like, that's, that's what everyone kind of loves. Like, I'd let wants. this guy give me a black eye, right? Is that what you're kind of saying? <laughs> I'd, I'd fly him from Reno to Cincinnati.
0: I, I would agree with you. I would agree with yeah. you. No, not to bring up past, but um, let's jump to Kid Racer 4,
1: who just. He really he really took advantage of the he beat fact. the system here.
0: Yeah. Hey, hey, Austin and Renner. My name is Brandon, and I've been watching two foreign drafts for about a year. They helped me get through quarantine. Here are some questions. They had he's got three questions, and we're gonna answer all three. Mm-hmm. Here you go, Brandon, Kid Racer Four. In last week's episode, Anthony mentioned how he could see Mac Jones going before Trey Lance, and it seems like a wild take. It is. Personally, I believe Jones over Lance. If Mac if Mac Jones balls out on the OSU defense and puts together great numbers, would there be more consideration of Jones but going before Lance? If so, what range could you see him going in top ten, top eleven to fifteen? So he did ball out. He's continued to play well, but he's played well all year long in Alabama system. Yeah. The the problem and I'll start, I guess. The problem I think is Mac Jones doesn't have the tools, the traits that Trey Lance has. And I think in the NFL, they're going to value excuse me, they're going to value Trey Lance's tools and traits and arm talent. Mm-hmm over what Mac Jones has done from an accuracy and consistency perspective and production perspective at Alabama. He's not a toolsy prospect. He's a guy that has exceeded expectations with below average arm talent at Alabama.
1: Mm -hmm. And we – I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but the difference between him and Joe Burrow and why everyone's like so sold on Joe Burrow was the difficulty of what he was doing. Like Joe Burrow, the offense was innovative, whatever – He's still, I think he had twice as many completions into tight windows as Mac Jones did this past year. Like Mac Jones is literally hitting wide open guys 95 percent of the time. Like th- that offense was the most dominant, like schematically as well as talent wise in college football. Uh, his job was not difficult. A lot of guys would have looked great in that offense is I think the biggest thing right now. And that as soon as he steps on the football field in the NFL, it's going to look utterly and completely different than anything he's seen before. So, I just that that to me is why uh, you still lean on the guys with the tools because there is still a big developmental curve once you get to the league. Um, top ten, I don't think eleven to fifteen, possibly, just because there's so many teams that need quarterback in that range. Do you believe the opt out players like Jamar
0: Chase, Gregory Russo, Caleb Farley, Trey Lance, he did play one game, uh, could fall in the draft because of either no on the field time or other players improving their stocks like Quitty Pay, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell?
1: Yes, I, I think they will. Like, out of sight, out of mind. I said this earlier. Value is going to lean on what's right in front of them, the guys they just saw. Like, it, the fact that a guy is two years removed from having played on a football field is going to, even if you try to cognitively admit your bias and say, no, like, only evaluate what you see on the field, that's who this guy is, I think it's still are going to underrate these guys. And I think you also underrate the fact that like guys improve. The last we saw from them, very good from all of them. But it's rare to see guys get worse in college. Like, they they would probably be better this upcoming year than they yeah. were in just in terms of like physically now jamar chase wasn't going to produce as much in that offense gregory Rousseau wasn't going to have more than 16 sacks that would have been crazy but i do think like they would have been better players had they come back this year and we just aren't going to be able to see that so i do think they're going to get underrated all
0: right last one from kid racer Four, aka brandon in the last several years there have been surprise first round picks jordan brooks no egg lj collier jerry tillery what players this year do you think could be a surprise first rounders in 2021?
1: Or is it too early to tell? Or is it
0: too early to tell? Sorry.
1: I think it's. Uh, I do think it's too early to tell. It is too early it's, to tell. It's, it's difficult to say where anyone stands on.
0: The Davion Nixon hype has been interesting. I think yeah. that's a name that comes to mind. Like, oh, you don't have yeah. him even inside the top 50 on your board. But he's the guy that's been mocked in the first round. Someone sent me an IGDM of some fucking mock draft on Reddit that had Patrick Jones of Tulane going at five. So there's also there's I don't know what to tell you about that like that's obviously a, a mock draft on Reddit or something but like that's not a surprise. Wait, one. Patrick Johnson of Tulane? Patrick oh Joneses. no, Patrick
1: Johnson. Sorry. Or Patrick Johnson of Pittsburgh?
0: It was Patrick Johnson of Tulane. I'm pretty sure Ooh. it was Tulane guy.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's wild. Um, <laughs> that kind of just threw me for a loop there. I I, I wrote down a couple of names. Like I said, it's way too early to tell. But you mentioned Igbenogamy sneaking in because he's just a freak athlete. Uh, I think a few years ago, the same thing was true of Terrell Edmonds. Yes, Terrell. I always have to think of their names. And Terrell Edmonds snuck in. I mean, it was snuck in. He was like the 24th pick, which was absurd. But because of how physically gifted those guys are, to me, Caden Stearns of Texas might test out the best of any... Uh, ugh, test out the best. We're not even going to have a combine this year. Why am I saying that? But he's maybe the most... Athletic he might Michigan run a 4-1 class. on his phone when he sends yeah, it on Twitter. It's got a... Schefter's tweet's gonna do numbers whenever he tweets out as forty. It's fast, dude, very athletic. I think he could make his way upwards. Someone could fall in love with his traits. And then I feed to Melofanu as well. We've talked about six three, two thirteen, built differently than any cornerback you'll see almost at any level in terms of what he can do. Uh, physically it's a big cornerback class, dude. From.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah if Patrick Sertan. That's I so mean, toss Horses those two names kind of out there. Like
1: no one's really saying their tape looks like first round tape, but physically they Have first round type tools.
0: I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast yet, but doing the research with the draft guide, Patrick Sertan and Tyson Campbell played outside corner for the same high school, American Heritage, under yeah. Patrick Sertan's dad, and were both five star recruits that went to Georgia and Bama. Like, can you, and they won, they went back to back, undefeated seasons, championships. <laughs> like, can you imagine trying to throw? I wonder it if they hated two each six other. two 200 pound cornerbacks.
1: Yeah, I wonder. The fact they didn't go to the same school, you would think if yeah. you're two five-star recruits from the same high school, they must have not been friends. They hate each other. Like if you're friends and like, at, you would go and be like, let's run it Because they both got offers from the same schools. I mean, yeah, they had offers yeah. from everybody. Five-star gets offered for everybody, yeah.
0: Um, all right, next one here. Thank you for that, Brandon, the three-piece. Uh, Michael Shea, Arizona. I know it's likely both are available. It isn't likely both are available at 16 for the Cardinals, but would Kyle Pitts or Jalen Water be a better, better pick for them?
1: I like Pitts for them better. Really? Yes. They got Andy Isabella. Maybe that's just me like saying oh like Andy Isabella, but like if you want a field stretcher in that offense, he'll stretch the field. He can run the crossers, he can run those sort of routes. Now he's not even close to Jalen Waddell in terms of a lot of the other things. But Cal Pitts, though, like Dan Arnold compared to Cal Pitts is a night and day difference. It, physically what <laughs> they can do. So Yes, I'll go Kyle Pitts. I'm going Jalen Waddell. I'd rather yeah. see Jalen Waddle in that offense. I think he's a better player Pitts. It'd be fucking awesome to see both of them. Yeah. All right. Uh,
0: Kyle Ditter. Super great, well-thought-out th- draft content. I, th- I I love the thought process behind who should be taken and how to maximize positional value. Question. Kenneth Gainwell, the Memphis running back, is one of my favorite players to watch in the draft. Hashtag fun to watch. He is hashtag fun to watch. How do you think he profiles at the next level as running back and what possible landing spot
1: if he declares. Ooh, I like your pick here. So he did declare, I think. Like He opted out, I think, to prepare for the yeah. 2020 draft. Um, I think he's, I don't want to say a gadget back, but he's going to be a timeshare sort of back. I don't think he gets the, he's 190, 195 pounds, or at least he was last year, 5'9 or something. And... Well, Carter's like 100 in that same range, the North Carolina running back. But like he actually kind of runs with power, like we will lower shoulder and the guys. Gainwell was all make you miss, all kind of out in space stuff. But what he did was he was the best single best receiving running back in college football back in 2019. Like that guy gets open, he could play the slot if you want to in, in their offense. And so that's why I think a team that's going to use him in that manner, going to use his versatility and going to use him as a vertical threat at the running back position. So I threw out Green Bay here, Aaron Jones free agent. Jamal Williams is also free agent, I think. Who? Jamal Williams, yeah, also yep. free agent. Obviously, AJ Dillon, the the future sort of the future there, but he is not going to do any of the things Aaron Jones did as a receiver. He will catch screens, he will catch swings. That's it. Kenneth Gainwell can do a lot of that other stuff. They do a lot of jet sweeps, like they use Tyler Irvin in that offense just to do jet Kansas sweeps. San Jose State, Mountain West, rise up. Yeah, and so he could Gainwell could be could fill that role. So I'll th- I'll throw them out there.
0: I think. Um, Green Bay is a good idea. Rank Kenneth Gainwell among the recent Memphis backs. Daryl oh, Henderson, no, don't make Tony me. Pollard, Kenneth Gainwell.
1: They're so good. It's RBU right now. Um, Gibson's RB1.
0: Oh, Gibson. I did even fucking Gibson. I mentioned Daryl Henderson, Pollard, and not even Gibson. Yeah, Gibson too.
1: Gibson's RB1. Pollard's RB2? Has to be. Over Henderson? At this point in time, yeah, Pollard's probably RB2. And then gain well i'd probably say as a head of better than henderson because henderson could not he's not much of a receiver yeah
0: all right last question from the but podcast reviews like not, and then we're going to jump to the few instagram and twitter questions we did receive but before we do that mike we have breaking news can we break this news oh yes please urban meyer is near completely done going to the jacksonville jaguars according to ian Rathport, as the new head coach of the jacksonville jaguars your initial thoughts on this
1: move i'm hype that's awesome tony khan my boy went to my high school. Uh I'm happy for him. That's a hell of a hire. Like I I think I, I think I said this before when we started he, he was rumored to but like part of his success was that he was he hired great assistant coaches. And I think a big of maybe the big part of the hang up was him putting together his staff. I'm very excited to see who they get because you see the success that you know Herman had at Houston, then obviously not at Texas, but Ryan Days had, Luke Fickle's had. Those guys were all on his staff. Like he puts. I it mean, together. Marcus good Freeman staff. I think was he's Ohio a good State leader, too, wasn't and developer. Yes, he was a great recruiter, but those things as well. So, I I there are, that's a slam dunk of a hire as you get. And we've talked about this before
0: too with coaching candidates. Head coaches, it's not about how cool is your offense, any of that, or how good is your play calling, all that stuff. It's about can you come in and coach up men and put together a staff to like win with and like create a winning culture and all that stuff. And I think Ernie Meyer can definitely do that. He's done that before. Yeah, um, graduate uh, Marcus Freeman, who was the rock star defense coordinator for the University of Cincinnati, and now is Notre Dame was a grad assistant at Ohio State um and went to a house date but i think i do think that th- that that coaching tree is pretty pretty hot there
1: all right yeah, i mean one of the best college coaching trees you'll see from herb they're gonna be
0: hyped up dude i'm interested to see where vegas puts their win total at next year because like you're gonna get urban meyer trevor lawrence I, say they do sign like an Allen robinson yeah. say they bring in like a some hot assistance like a, a cool hot oc i don't know who it's gonna be but there's gonna be some hot hot names there you said
1: hot a lot i said hot too many times yeah um uh, I am very curious like I said to see his staff and I, I think it'll work like I'm I want to get I'm get a Trevor Lawrence jersey and, and you could put to bed the it's Justin Fields converse like don't oh, even yeah. bring that shit up about maybe they're going to draft Fields number one because of his Ohio State connection they're, you would not be taking the Jags job if it was just to draft Justin Fields
0: absolutely he's, not he's, and, and Urban Meyer didn't even coach Justin Fields his yeah. last year at Ohio State as the head coach was 2018 yeah. and Justin Fields was playing at Georgia then. Like, I get that there's Ohio State ties there, and he probably has a very good read on how good Justin Fields is. Mm -hmm. But Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback prospect. That's obvious. And I don't think it's going. Someone has said he's going to pull a Cliff Kingsbury like he did with Kyler Murray and draft Justin Fields. Cliff Kingsbury didn't pull anything. He drafted the best quarterback in the draft. The best quarterback in this year's draft is Trevor Lawrence. There's no pulling anything. I think Urban Meyer and the Jags take Trevor Lawrence, and that offense gets a lot better. In 2021, that team gets a lot better in 2021. All right, last one from the reviews here. Funny and informative. Great pod. Tons of rookies and draft prospects find myself laughing out loud all the, loud all the time. The Missouri University of Science and Technology is known for being one of the nation's top engineering schools. Binge drinking during the entire week, hopefully Core's Edge, of St. Patrick's Day. And now, Tershawn Wharton. What was Tershawn's final season grade, and do you think he has a chance to stick on the Chiefs roster going forward?
1: Earned a 66.2. 22 pressures it's pretty good for a rookie defensive tackle like being at average as a rookie at defensive tackle position not easy you're immediately going from and especially Tershaw and Wharton going from playing against guys who do not are you know 19 20 year olds 300 pounds not physically developed whatsoever to grown men who are as strong as any human beings like in the country so big difference uh we didn't even see you know the grownest man of them all, Derek Brown, grayed out that well as a rookie defensive tackle. So incredibly encouraging stuff. Stick on the Chiefs' roster. I mean, yes, wholesale, one hundred percent. This guy is your best sub package. Like after Chris Jones, this is your best interior pass rusher, quite easily in wow. my mind. He is, if nothing else, he can be your Henry Melton sub package interior guy for the rest of his you know for the rest of his rookie contract. Like they found a steal in this dude. I'm a big fan of his he's still like small if he just puts on like a little more weight like this guy could be an actual every down guy
0: i love the henry melton reference mm. it's a deep cut all right on to instagram questions here from Brett There's legend we didn't say who that was from that was from B underscore 55 this is from brett what is the best case scenario for the steelers in the upcoming draft
1: trade for matt stafford I think wow that's your best case scenario i think matt stafford you could win a super bowl with that roster and matt stafford that is a hot take mike I think that's your best-case scenario. Damn. And then take Banner Caleb tires. Farley? Well, and hopefully it doesn't take a first-rounder no to get Matt Stafford. way it a first-rounder. For Stafford? I think it will, though. Really? Yes. Dude, if, if, I feel like the Detroit Lions would be smart to do that. Because
0: that roster, yeah, I, that I coaching too. staff, if you can get a first-rounder for Matt Stafford, it's see you later.
1: But hopefully it takes more like a second and a three, and then that's what I'm saying, best-case scenario, and then Caleb Farley falls down there at cornerback. That would be for the Steelers. If the
0: Detroit Lions were to trade Matt Stafford for another first-round pick, I think they re-sign nobody but Kenny Galladay, and they just tank into oblivion, and, and get the number one overall pick in 2022, and, and, and rebuild from there. Because like you're not, you're yeah. not trading Matt yeah. Stafford for a first rounder, and then still finding ways to scratch out play, like a postseason berth. Like you need to go to the bottom. It's time to go down. So that would be interesting. I think that it's would honestly be <laughs> it's time to go down. <laughs> That's a great take. I like that one. That's a hot one. All right, uh, from Alexander. Which I position is more, li- more likely to have a starter slash quality player taken in, in the late second or third round? Wide receiver or corner?
1: This one, to me, went through kind of the numbers. The, the, numbers. the numbers. And not really close. Wide receiver. You look at the names. Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, D.K. Metcalf, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hilton, Cooper Cobb. That's a lot of fucking talent yeah. wide receivers. so you could find middle of the day two cornerback james bradbury Jamal dean ronald darby janoris jenkins all in that mix quality corners wide receiver though that's desmond Trufant was a second rounder wasn't he no he's first rounder. damn it never mind get it straight
0: all right um let's go ahead and jump now to our twitter dm questions here from reddit gm do you think sean payton has considered drafting trey lance
1: I think it's. I don't know. I, think, I don't think coach is getting to that process, especially since he's still in the playoffs. So probably not. But uh, I'll say at some point I think he will, and at some point he'll realize I don't think he's going to be in the position to draft him. So I'd, I'd say probably not.
0: He could be the replacement to Taysom Hill.
1: No, they don't want to give up on Taysom Hill.
0: <laughs> You've comped Trey Lance to Taysom Hill, but who can actually throw? Yeah, that's 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 a good comp. I like
1: it. What do you think the best fits for the top five QBs are to succeed? All right. Lawrence, I mean, Jags, whatever. Like, he's going to the Jags. So, that'd be dumb to say anything else. I'll uh, say Zach- be best fit on the Niners. <laughs> yeah. Right. Zach Wilson, I'll say the Broncos. I love him with that receiving core. I-, I think that would be very perfectly set up for his strengths of how he plays the game. Justin Fields, we already touched on it. 49ers. I think it's a perfect fit for him. Trey Lance, whoever gets Brian Dable, I don't know who that's going to be. But Brian Dable, I would love to see Trey Lance. Brian Dable with the Magic. He worked with Josh Allen. And then Mac Jones, he's the guy going to the Saints. That's smart. That's where I'd like to see him end up. I, in I a think dome. Mac
0: Jones to the Saints is my favorite of those four. In five. a
1: dome, in a division where you're not going to play in bad weather and that arm strength is not going to be necessarily as big of an issue.
0: I love that. I love that take. Mac Jones to the Saints is something we should start mocking here pretty soon. All right. Sam underscore Stetcher. Why shouldn't the Bears mortgage the future to trade into the top five, six, and take one of the quarterbacks? <laughs>
1: Because, okay, I guess the question of why shouldn't you, I, I, don't, I don't hate it necessarily, but that is how you can end up like the Texans because they've been throwing away draft capital left and right already. They already have a roster that's built on almost all guys on their second, third contracts on, that you're paying. They don't have a lot of talent on their rookie deals right now making an impact. And so as soon as that kind of fades away, you're left with a cupboard that is bare. If you do make a move like this, you're not going to have any Young talent in two years is the reason not to.
0: But I mean, the Texans did it without trading for a quarterback, which is nuts, right? I With mean, what? the Texans tra- mortgaged the future for like Laramie Tuntle and, and.
1: and Oh, I mean, no, they traded up for Deshaun Watson too. They got all the for Deshaun Watson. But then they also started making dumb decisions after that.
0: From Brandon Ayuk, not the actual Brandon Ayuk, but this is a good opportunity to tease the Monday episode. We are going to have San Francisco 49ers rookie Brandon Ayuk on the podcast on the Monday episode. This is not from Brandon Ayuk. I think his Twitter handle is just Brandon Ayuk. If you could add two inches and 20 pounds to any previous girlfriend, I mean prospect, who would it be?
1: I, and he said, no, Devontae Smith, that one's too easy. But Devontae Smith would still only be like six three one ninety five. He like, would still be look, weird as hell. He'd kind of look like Robbie Anderson. He'd, yeah, he'd bit. be Robbie Anderson. Um, I went with TCU's Darius Washington, 5'8, 180. If he's 5'10, 200 pounds, he's getting Jamal Adams type love, this guy. That's how highly I think he's in this prospect. The one I would love to see, though, Daniel Falele, the Minnesota <laughs> offense tackle. He'd be 6'11, 4'20.
0: Deontay Brown would be what 6'5 380 yeah that would be Tyler Shelvin dude Tyler On Shelvin day. could probably add 2 inches and 20 pounds
1: you wouldn't even know yeah you
0: wouldn't even know Like that. he does that <laughs> <laughs> that's not that after
1: a good night's sleep that's nuts man
0: i think there's other there's other positions too. i mean there's certain corners where i feel like you always felt like if they were just a little bit bigger could make like asante samuel jr i think would be sick you yeah. add two inches and 20 pounds to asante samuel jr you're yeah. getting a damn good outside corner yeah NFL. i
1: think those are the positions it would matter like a, a guard adding two inch 20 like who cares Defense yeah. tackle like cornerbacks
0: can you DBs? add those inches in arm length
1: Ooh, no you just get like uh kyler murray fro. Oh, like it it's, it's a pro situation. Higher. Interesting.
0: All right. Next question here. We got to move. Thoughts on Chris Olave and where he might
1: go? Fan. Best, one of the best route right runners in college football. I think he goes so back much, the first. So smooth, so polished. And he's, he's fast. We've been talking about, like, is he fast? He runs. He's going to run a 4 or 4 or something. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think he's a back out of the first round type of guy.
0: I really like him as a fit to any team that wants a legitimate, I get open receiver. Mm-hmm. Not like a blow the top off, not like a true possession. Like this guy consistently gets open, which every team needs. This guy consistently gets open. Chris Olave, I like that. Liam Eichenberg, a good fit for Urban Meyers Jaguars with the
1: Rams pick. I think that's too early. Way too early. You have two second rounders now. You have the second rounder from the Vikings. I think that'd be a good one. 45 overall, I think that is. That, that's where I'd start thinking about Eikenberg. I mean, there are other tackles I would take, though, with that Rams pick wherever it does end up.
0: All righty, one more thing here. One last question, and then we're out. Sam Daines, 26, sent me a DM. He said, if I showed you this year's tape, if I showed this year's tape to someone who had no prior knowledge of this year's quarterbacks, no biases, no priors, mm-hmm. wouldn't Zach Wilson be the first pick? My take is, no. even if you Thanks. showed the 2020 tape, just the 2020 tape,
1: yeah, you would still come away saying.
0: with Trevor Lawrence as the most impressive quarterback prospect of any quarterback that's played this year then I think after that you're still thinking about Justin Fields Zach Wilson in a similar tier that there then are
1: on. then I now. think it is Zach yeah then I think it is Zach Wilson would be above Justin Fields if you're just talking about this year's tape Yeah, and that's why shit he is on our board um, but you go back and watch the oh gosh Wake Forest game yeah. from Trevor Lawrence that's the best quarterbacking I saw all year now it wasn't like it was against Wake Forest or whatever but just in terms of like the timing the routes he's throwing how quickly he's getting to them it was just perfect quarterbacking and then the arm strength and the talent whatever the physical tools they're still like he still has better than everyone else's class still so yeah I I think even if you go just show me this year's tape I'm still going with Trevor Lawrence
0: I think a a good segment in the near future for the podcast could be to for certain prospects highlight their best tape Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people that do listen to the podcast want to watch prospects yeah and like you can look up these games on youtube pretty easily can't find the all 22 but you can look at these games pretty easily i think the wake forest game for um trevor lawrence is good for carlos basham jr that unc game he plays is pretty nuts like i think there's certain games that stand out for certain prospects that can give you a good read on what they are at their high end for a full game but um that's gonna do it for the mailbag episode that was a ton of fun man urban meyer news deshaun watson Tua to a and answered all these questions we got a ton more that are laying over for next week and if you want them answered next week if you haven't already got yours in Rate, review the podcast. If you rate and review the podcast and leave a question in there, it will be the first question we answer. After that, send us a DM on Twitter, reply to a tweet on Twitter, or ask us on YouTube. We'll find a way to fit those in as well. and thank you guys for submitting those questions, Absolutely. too. There's people saying it got them through quarantine, people saying that you guys are the best draft coverage out there. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's, it's been Thank nice. you. I, I do I do appreciate that. I do appreciate the fans.
1: The two I'm fans looking forward fans. to It's only going to get better. It's only getting better. Dude, it's only going to get here. better.
0: Once we get the meetups going, mm-hmm. dude, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. Anyway, until next
1: time, Austin Gale. You're just Gale. still looking for a girlfriend. You're hoping one of these can get it.
0: How many of them want to do a first date story? <laughs> anyway, um, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two-point drafts.